0: Thank mm-hmm. you.
1: And I, my heart has been blessed by the music. I hope yours has as well. I uh, read a book. Boys and girls are dismissed, by the way. They know what to do, whether we do or not. Isn't that wonderful? I uh, <coughs> read a book this past week, and in there were some things that uh, caught my attention. And one of the things that uh, caught my attention was the, the aspect of bringing pleasure. And as I was reading that part in the book, I started thinking about that, how that oftentimes we want to give, we want God to bring pleasure to us, isn't that right? We want Him to be our butler in heaven, giving to us whatever we want, and how selfish that is, and especially in this aspect of prayer, which we're going to be talking about this morning But from reading that, I thought to myself, you know, instead of asking God to bring me pleasure in what I want, I want 2017 to be a year that I bring Him pleasure. How about that? Can we bring God pleasure? Let me ask you a question. Do you think that possibly when we assemble here together that we can bring God pleasure? Absolutely. Through our singing, through our exalting Him, by proclaiming who He is, we can bring Him pleasure. The heart attitude ought to be a heart that we want to bring Him pleasure. And I want to challenge you as well. Why don't we make 2017 not about us, but about Him? Amen. Uh, tonight we're going to have our vision banquet at 5:30 instead of our normal evening service and I know that Brother Jorgensen always fixed enough that we could have some more folks sign up and so if the weather and the holidays did not catch you where you could sign up I would encourage you to sign up and come tonight at 5:30. 30. Uh, I'm trying to look at Cheryl to see if I have a glare on her face right now.
0: Uh,
1: there she is she's got this this expression on her face that uh I'm, not, I'm really not sure, but Jerry's calm and peaceful, and he just makes all kinds of stuff out there. But really, we'd love to have you come tonight if you've not signed up, and I'm sure we can fit you in and all. Because uh, tonight we're going to share our theme for 2017, and uh, just what God has done. We have a God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think. Would you not agree with that? Absolutely. Now, as Pastor Nathan says, it's been a long time since we've been in church. It was wonderful on Wednesday night as we were able to come together, and I don't know whether it's because we hadn't been there in such a long time, but folks came and just filled up the fellowship hall, and and there was an eager anticipation out there just being able to assemble together. And I know that possibly last Sunday we had opportunity to watch some things on television or get richer into our devotions, and, and that is wonderful, amen to that? But you can never uh, take apart from the fellowship of God's people. Because when you are
0: saved,
1: when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're born again, you become a part of the family of God. And God has created us to have fellowship and to want to have fellowship. And in fact, that's why we believe in the Trinity. Amen to that? You've got to have the Trinity. Because God has always been who he's always been. He's a God of love. He wouldn't just love himself, but he would love his Son, the Holy Spirit, for all of eternity, times past, times beginning, and times ending. We have a wonderful God. When we were here uh, (coughs) uh, two weeks ago, if you can imagine, we went over these attributes of God for our uh, New Year's Day service. And uh, these are the attributes that we went over, and then we talked about various attributes that we could have in our own life. And I hope that you have uh, determined that you are going to try, uh, trust I should say that, that God would bring you qualities in your life that will bring him pleasure and will glorify him. And so these are some of the, the qualities up there. Some of them are the fruits of the spirit and all. And so now as we get back, can you imagine, now to the Sermon on the Mount. How many remember that's what we've been preaching on for the past six months, all right? But we're in chapter seven. If you'll take your Bibles and turn there. I'm not always certain of how Matthew puts together this Sermon on the Mount, all right? Uh, More than likely, it is in the chronological order of how he gave it. We would think... But Matthew does not always put things in chronological order. He will put things in the order of usual subjects. Here, though, this part of the Sermon on the Mount, to note where it's sandwiched in here, we have been already talking about the judging and discernment and understanding the beam in your eyes and everything like that. And don't give that which is holy to dogs, but cast uh, your pearls before swine lest they trample it. And then he goes in... To verse seven, and he gets into this prayer section, which is not with the uh, the Our Father prayer in chapter six. So he's going to give now an aspect of prayer. And as I read this this morning, I w- I would like you to ask yourself, what is what is God trying to get across in this portion of scriptures? What does God want me to learn? from this portion of scriptures? Those are important questions, would you not agree? What does God want? What is God trying to teach? Why did God say it the way he said it? God does not make mistakes. Uh, Wednesday night, we've been looking at the, the tenses and the voices of the, the Greek verbs and things like that and, and, and how, how intricate the scriptures are. Uh, we'll look at that just a little bit this morning, but uh, let's begin reading in verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his Son ask for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then be evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven? Give good things to them that ask Him. Father, I pray that you'll bless upon the scriptures this morning. And Lord, how I depend upon you to take your word and work it into our hearts, my heart especially. That, Lord, this morning we'd understand that you are our Father if we've accepted Christ as our Savior, and that we have that intimacy that we can come to you in prayer and ask you to answer and ask and bring and seek and knock so i pray that lord that you'll just work in this passage in jesus name amen well that sounds like a blank check doesn't it well, maybe somebody thought that you know the name it and claim it gospel is well, whatever i i want i'm going to ask do you think we ought to be careful about God answering what we want? Uh, I think that we ought to be careful about that. It might not be the very best things. You can ask amiss, James tells us of that. Is it good? How do you know if it's good? Doesn't God want to give us good things? And so we need to be careful about how we look into this. We ask for God's will, and most of us understand the power of prayer. Would you not agree? And in this passage here, there's a great emphasis, realizing the needs that we have. He puts these things, ask, seek, and knock, in the present tense, which is the idea of continually doing this. This is a part of our life each and every day, all through the day. Pray without ceasing. The idea of having that heart in connection with God, that no matter what's going on, sometimes we might need to give up a quick prayer. Lord, help! We received a text from our daughter, Lisa. She was driving from, uh, uh, where does she live? North Carolina. And she was driving to Melissa's house, and they lived in Pennsylvania. And they hid a a patch of uh, travel that was fogged out, and they couldn't see. They said but seven feet in front of them. And so she texted us real quick, and she said, uh, she says, would you all pray that the Lord help us in this section? And so Janie and I, we stopped uh, what we were doing, and we offered up a quick prayer. Lord, help our daughter and son-in-law as they travel through this section of time. She texts back within a few minutes and says, you know what? The fog lifted right away. Is God able to do that? Yes or no? He is. Have you ever lost your keys? And then you search for a half hour looking for them. Then all of a sudden the thought comes to you, why don't I ask God where they are? By the way, do you think God knows where they are? Okay. So we do know that there is a God who answers prayer, sometimes quickly. Interesting, the tenses in here. <clears throat> in uh, verse 7, where he says, and it will, you'll find, it will be given unto you,
0: and it will be open unto
1: you. It's in the future tense. The future tense is that it could be something that comes 25 years down the road. Sometimes you might even forget that you asked about it, and then all of a sudden you remember. I remember uh, back about 10, 15 years ago,
0: I, uh,
1: I took as my journey for the new year to start praying that God would enlarge my heart. That's a good prayer, would you not agree? Now, you don't always understand how God's going to answer that, but he says he's going to answer. And so as I was praying for God to enlarge my heart, it was about two months into the year that I herniated the disc in my neck. And I was out of the pulpit for eight weeks. I remember people in the church calling, and they would say, Boy, God must really be speaking to you. I said, I don't hear nothing. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it hit me. God, I prayed for you to enlarge my heart. And you know how he did it? Through a herniated disc in your neck. Can that be answer to prayer? Could be. that be the way you wanted it answered? You see... When he says he's going to answer, he's going to answer. But it might not be the way you want it answered or the way I want it answered. I remember uh, praying my senior year in high school, whether God wanted me to uh, play football or not. Some of you know, how many have heard this story before? If You've been at West Side for over 10 years. You've probably heard this story before. And I said, Lord, I, I don't know whether you want me to play football or not. But I want to do your will. By the way, that is the heart attitude behind prayer, right? God, your will be done. That's a part of the, the uh, prayer on the, the Lord's Prayer. And I said, Lord, how do I know whether you want me to uh, play football or not? And so I made this prayer. And by the way, can the Holy Spirit put on your heart how to pray? He sure can. Just like uh, Abraham's servant um, what was his name, Um, um, Eliezer, thank you, Eliezer, Uh, and he says, Lord, how do I know which girl is going to be the right uh, mate for my master's son? Remember how he prayed? What did he pray? Lord, bring the girl to this well that will give me drink and also be willing to water my ten camels. That sounds like a strange prayer, doesn't it? but guess what happened you see not forcing our will or forcing our direction but as god lays on our heart and by the way romans chapter 8 verse 27 says that we don't always know what we should pray for but the holy spirit can give us utterance and as he prayed that guess what god matched together well i prayed uh, my senior year in for football i said well lord how will i know i said well lord I'll know you don't want me to play football if you break something. Now, understand that I was only 17 years of age, all right? So that wasn't the smartest prayer that I made. But within a week, guess what happened? Let me ask you this little question. Was it a smart prayer? Yes or no? It was. It was because don't we want God's will over our own will? Absolutely. So as we get into this asking and seeking and knocking, it is a pursuit to God for what he wants accomplished in my life. Not to bring me pleasure, but to bring him pleasure. Understand that. This is the context. This is what's being brought out here. And you see this urgency and crying out for God to open the right doors. And so there is that future tense there in verse 7. And then there is the, the present tense in verse 8 where he says, yes, it might be 25 years that you'll see an answer prayer. I have a couple different prayer lists in my, uh, my study at home that I'll spend time praying for. There are things that I pray for every, every day. And I'm just looking for when God's going to answer those prayers. My grandmother prayed for me and my salvation for 15 years. And I remember coming home from camp and going out my back door and meeting my grandmother. She was coming up to the garage. And I said, Grandma, guess what? I got saved at camp. And She broke down and started to weep because she'd been praying for 15 years. How many of you got some relatives or people you've been praying for? Can I see your hands? Don't give up. Pray for them. Pray that God will reach into their hearts and rescue them. Yes, people have a choice, yes or no. Could I go against the prayers of my grandmother? Yes. But we have a loving God who's searching and seeking whom those that might be saved. And I am so thankful that He found me. So there's that future tense, but then there's that present tense. He says in verse 8, and by the way, the tenses of the answer are in the passive tense, which are the passive, uh, not tense, uh, is it? Yeah. Voice, t- passive voice, uh, which means that it is going to be done to you, not you doing it per se. In other words, we're looking for God to bring in these answers, and 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 he brings that in in verse 8. He says, Ask, you'll receive it. The word receiveth there now is in the present tense. That's kind of like. You can lose your keys, and immediately you can have answers to prayer right away. And you seek, and you'll find, and you knock, and it'll be open unto you. We want God to answer prayer. Amen to that? Now, I want you to turn, if you would, to Luke, these next two passages here. Luke chapter uh, 11. Look at some other parts of this this morning. Let's see if I can get that straightened up there. There we go. In Luke chapter eleven, in uh where is it? There it is. Verse 5, you there? This is called the parable of the importunate friend. What does the word importunate mean? It means shameless, shameless. Notice here, eleven five, 5, And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend? And shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. Can you imagine that friend coming to my house at midnight? I like to turn in like my dear brother over here early in the evening. And the friend of mine uh, in his journey comes to me and 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 I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you. Though he will not rise and give him, because uh, his friend, because of his friend, yet because of his importunity. God is not answering or using this illustration. And by the way, this is not a comparison of God, but this is actually a comparison of that asking, seeking, and knocking. Keep coming, and importunity. Just keep on praying. The Bible says, not because he was his friend, but because of his continual persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given, seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. Everyone that asketh receiveth, he that seeketh findeth, and him that knocketh it shall be opened. You see the same idea here. He's bringing and embellishing this story with another story along with it. And then verse 11, he says, If a son. Shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? For if he ask a fish, uh, will he for a fish give him a serpent or a scorpion? Or a, a serpent, excuse me. Or if he ask of an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Can you imagine they said that as I was studying this out, that they said that sometimes scorpions will will ball them up and they'll look like an egg. Can you imagine you trying to reach and you think it's an egg and you find it is a scorpion? What a surprise. Why is God bringing out this story? What's he trying to tell us? We have a God who cares about us, yes or no? We have a God who wants us to come before him and keep coming before him and keep coming before him. Turn to chapter 18 if you would. This is what God puts in the Bible to help us to understand that he wants us to be people who are coming and praying without ceasing. Chapter 18, verse 1. It's a different parable. Notice this one. He says, a man ought always to pray, and what? And not to faint. You know, there's something about the power of prayer to your soul. The power of prayer to your emotions. Instead of just going in your own strength and becoming weary in well-doing, that we get on our knees and we pray. Can I ask, why don't we pray more? God doesn't want us to faint. God doesn't want us to get discouraged. Then he uses this illustration in this parable. He said, there was in a city a judge which feared not God. Now, as he brings out this story, he's coming to probably the most bizarre or most intensive situations. He's not, now I'm not talking about a friend coming to a friend. He's talking about this judge who came to this city. He's not even from the city. He sets up his tent, and this widow woman comes that is from that city, and she came unto him and uh, says, avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. Why would he? You know, in this story, here's this strange uh, judge coming to the city, and here's a woman, and back in that time, could a woman even plead her case in court? No. Not only is she a woman, but she is described as a widow, which means she has no husband that would plead her case for her. And number three, she is not rich enough to bribe the judge to take the case. Do you see that? She has three strikes against her. God is bringing out this story to show the ineptness of us but yet the importunity or the shamelessness or the persistence or the asking or the seeking and the knocking, do we all get it this morning? This is not just found in Matthew, account of chapter 7, but it's also in Luke chapter 11 and Luke chapter 18. And it says, he would not for a while, but after, he said, within himself, though I don't even fear God, nor regard man, by the way, the Bible does tell us to take care of our widows. Amen to that. Yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continually coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, and shall not who? God. Avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him, though he bare long with them. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, the Son of Man cometh, shall he find, will he find faith on the earth? I thought that was an interesting concept there. You know, Jesus Christ is coming back. Does it take faith to pray? Sure it does. You have faith in God, and we already talked about who God is. And so we see this. Now back to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, similarities and yet some differences as well. So the, the futility of ours, but yet the, the, the persistence and the urgency and the perseverance. Uh, God is giving us these examples. This isn't written by man. This was written by God. And here this widow proclaiming and this friend coming and, uh, 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 and all these things. God wants us to come because he is our father. And understand that these answers to prayer is not because we are a friend to God, but because we are a son of God. Does that make sense? It's not because of our friendship. It is because we're his children. That's what he's bringing out here. That's why he uses these illustrations. And you say, well, you know, in that book, Linda, that I was reading about having sometimes not a good family life, maybe some of you here don't have a good father. Maybe your father did give you serpents. Maybe he did give you scorpions. Maybe some of you have fathers like that. But we have a heavenly father who loves us, who gave his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for our sins. That's the father we have. Here's a passage I'd like all those that have struggles with their fathers and all. It says, when my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Amen to that? Aren't we glad for a wonderful, gracious, loving uh, father? And by being born again here in John chapter 1, he came unto his own, and his own didn't even receive him. This is talking about Jesus Christ. But as many as received him, to them gave he that power of attorney become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name. Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you accepted him as your Savior? You have the privilege of being his child. And he knows what's best. Now, saying he knows what's best sometimes you don't know what the bread and the stone are you don't know what the fish and the serpent are or the egg and the scorpion you might think that what god has brought your way is he's doing you harm let me ask all things work together for the good what to them that love god them that are called according to his purpose I've been reading the story of Joseph this past week and it's just been just intriguing to me how that here this seventeen year old young man who says he believes that someday his brothers are gonna bow down and he's gonna be in a place of position and he's thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, put into prison for thirteen years. And yet God used that to prepare him to be the second in command with Egypt. How can you and I determine what's good and bad in an earthly view? Uh, Brother Frank, I I saw you. There you are. Brother Frank brought an amazing message at our Men's Prayer uh, Fellowship yesterday. And you used this verse. And I I, want to memorize this verse, Brother Frank. Boy, I tell you, it is such an amazing verse. It says, the Lord directs our steps. So why try to understand everything along the way? I thought that was a good translation of that. You know, oftentimes we beat ourselves. God, you don't love me. Why are you allowing this? In my... You know what I have? Another aspect of what I'm trying to work on in my own life today is not to beat myself up nor to accept the circumstances that come into my life as anything but what is the best for my life. 2017 17 has a lot going to come into it. And we ask God, we seek God, we knock on God, and what He brings our way, we need to accept as the will of God. Or else we will faint and become weary. I can't encourage you enough. Understand the benevolence of God. Understand the goodness of God. The goodness of God is that which is of the best benefit. Yes or no? The best benefit. God's not going to waste the opportunities. He's going to build your life. Now this would be a good thing for us to teach our children. Amen to that? Our children want things. Is there a difference between wants and needs? God wants to provide all our, not all our wants, to sort out those two things. You have not because you ask not. Or you ask, what? A miss. And God, even when you're asking something and you're asking a miss, He knows how to turn the corners on that to bring you back to where you need to understand. Is it a good thing to give your children a Lamborghini? Did I say that right? There was one time in the church I called it a Lamborghini. And people looked at me as if I was strange. And that's possible, but anyway. There is a uh, Greek mythology. I got this from John MacArthur's little study on this Greek mythology. All know about Greek mythology. They're very heavily into it, and uh, they establish, you know, a lot of uh, uh, modern day thinking. If you can imagine, five, six hundred years before Christ, even Greek mythology tells us. <clears throat> listen to the story. Aurora, the goddess of the dawn, who fell in love with. Uh, a mortal youth when Zeth the king of gods promised to grant her any gifts she chose for her lover she asked that Tithimus might live forever but she had forgotten to ask that he also remain forever young for when Zeus granted the request Tithimus was doomed to an eternity of perpetual aging. Now, that's Greek mythology. Do we all believe in Greek mythology? No, we don't believe in Greek mythology. Sometimes God has to take our prayers and say what is the best for what we're asking not just to meet our wants. And so we, we look at these. We can, we can make mistakes with our children, giving them things that can hurt them. God knows how to give good gifts to all those we love him and I want to encourage you on that this fulfillment Ecclesiastes chapter 6 verse 12 says for who knoweth what is good good question isn't it Ernie do you know what's good not really I mean there are some aspects of things that we know is good it's good to obey God it's good to love God it's good to follow God isn't it we know those things but how, in, in when this is written by Solomon, it is wisdom under the sun. In other words, what he's saying that as you're walking around and you're looking at things, how do you know that's good? How do you know that's bad? We went and listened to a message on a Tuesday morning, and it was talking about there that you know that it is better to go to your funeral than than to than your birthday. Can you imagine? We always sing, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you. Can you imagine? We sing, happy dead day to you, happy dead day to you. You know, the Bible says that uh, pleasant in his sight is the death of his saints. We were just talking, my wife and I, the other day about Janie's mom going to be with the Lord here coming up in February now, two years. And and, And Janie was talking about how she misses her mom. I says, yeah, but mom's in heaven. And oh, what a glorious opportunity for her to go to heaven and not to have to suffer here in this world any longer. Amen to that? You who know the Lord understand that. Who knows what is good for man in this life and all the days of his vain life which he spendeth as a shadow. For who can tell a man what shall be after him under the sun? May we leave God to be who God is. Remember, I... I said about Job, we've used the story, and you know about the story of Job. When Job answers God at the end of the book, when he says to Job, he basically says, Job, let me answer you. Here's the answer. I'm God, and you're not. How many think that's a good enough answer? You know, the earlier I surrender to that, the less kicking and screaming I go through in my life. All of us want the pleasures. All of us want these good things. We don't realize. You know, I I heard one preacher, and was it your your church? You were telling me the story as we were going up to uh, Tacoma. His preacher got up on Christmas Eve and preached a good message he says, I've been all over the world. I've been to Africa and the Philippines and here in America. He says, let me tell you, the hardest people to preach to are you. Because of our prosperity, like the Laodicean church, we think we have need of nothing. And so often that's why we don't ask and seek and knock. May God help us. Have that urgency, that persistence in our soul. Fire in our soul. James chapter 5 says that Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, yet, without, uh, yet he prayed, and it rained not for three and a half years. And he says there, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man has so much power, I available mean, so much. May God help us. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. Notice he says here, he says in, in verse 11 of chapter uh, Matthew 7, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? You know the good things that he's given to us? He's given to us salvation. In Matthew, or Luke chapter 11, he says, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give you what? Do you know the more is God living in you? John chapter 16, he says he's given his Spirit to guide us in truth and to show us things to come. You and I, if you've been saved, you've got the Holy Spirit. Is that better than winning The Reader's Digest Forever, 5,000-a-week contest. How many are tired of seeing that commercial on television? Oh, my soul. We're pursuing all the wrong things. Let's let 2017 be pursuing what God wants in our life and yielding to what God wants. I wrote here how much better gifts the Father has. The Lamborghini or love? The joystick or joy? Property or peace? Loot or long suffering? Greatness or gentleness? Goods or goodness? Fun or faith? Muscles or meekness? Temptations or temperance? May God help us to understand according to His divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life, godliness, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. I believe we ought to thank Him for what He has given us. Amen. Look at what He's doing in your life rather than what you're thinking you're missing out on. Father, I pray that You'll just help us now in this message. Number one is that if there are folks here that don't know you, that they would come to know you, because this story is all about a father and son relationship. Father, I thank you for the truths of this message. Lord, I thank you for how you've arrested my soul, and how that I don't pray like I ought to. Oh, yes, I can pat myself on the back for what I do do, but that's not what I ought to do. I ought to come before you and ask you to speak to my heart, and it is my prayer that you have spoken to others' hearts here this morning. So while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, what did you learn from the message today? By the way, we'll have opportunity in Sunday school to talk about some of the things that we've learned today. Most of our Sunday school teachers will give you a little bit of time. What have I learned today? What stuck out? How did God want to get my attention? Was that importunity? That just coming and coming? Or maybe as we started this, you says, Wow, I can get a blank check. But then at the end of the message, you say, You know what, Lord? I want you to fill in what that check should be, not what I want. Maybe this morning you've decided, I'm going to surrender. I'm going to surrender, Lord. That's what I need to do. We're going to have an altar call this morning. And this morning, as God works in your heart and all, why don't you respond in however, whichever way he wants. Let this year be a year that I'm going to surrender to whatever you have. So, Lord, as you continue to work in our lives, I pray that you will uh, do a work here. Help us to take time to be holy. Help us not to rush into the day. Help us to what it is that you would have for us. So as we have this altar call, some might come. Because you you, spoke to us and said, Lord, stop us seeking our own pleasure, but now to seek your pleasure. Maybe some need to be born again. Lord, well, whatever you're going to do in this invitation, we give it to you and for your glory. In Jesus' name, let's stand to our feet. We're going to be able to sing it. The words are up on the screen. Take time.